Hey guys, where we start today, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. You already know it. You probably listened to it. I listened to it. It's the Low Post with Zach Lowe, who talks all things basketball with the smartest people in the business. Now, twice a week, listen to the Low Post wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the Minicon Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts spells podcast with a W. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Not one of my stronger introductions. Still got to laugh. That's how you know a true friend is joining today's show. Bill Barnwell, welcome back. Just a real sucker for dog jokes. That's what it boils down to. If you could just insert ARF into anything, I'm going to laugh 100% of the time. ARF. I'm going to remember that. Um, Bill Barnwell the host of The Bill Barnwell Show. You can catch him on ESPN.com, on Debatable, and now here, where we are going to discuss some of this upcoming weekend's games. But I Mm -hmm. asked if you, at first, would mind... Wow, really good use of the English language here. I asked if, at first, you would mind. I asked if you could talk to me about some of the trades that I didn't get to, because my podcast with Dominique, I was literally taping as the trades started dropping. Mm. Um, so I missed some of the big ones. I think you recently, you, did you go on Robert Mays' show and talked about trades or I saw? I did. That's true. Okay. The athletic football show with Robert Mays. I went on and talked about the trades. I did on my podcast as well with Doug Kide mm-hmm. from PFF. But I always mm-hmm. have more to talk about when it comes to trades, Mina. You know that. Well, and also on this podcast, you now have the benefit of getting to shooting down God, I cannot talk today. You get to shoot down my terrible opinions or perhaps more correctly, temper all of my enthusiasm because every time I see a trade, I'm like, that seems great. And I I don't think you do trade grades anymore, but when you used to, I feel like you averaged like a C minus. Free agency for sure, because most free agent signings don't work, right? So I'm always kind of skeptical. And it's funny because I think our other graders at ESPN who all do great work, this is just a different scale. Like the average grade is kind of like an A minus B plus. So I look Mm. just like the meanest grader on the planet (laughs) by comparison. Well, a lot of times people also ask like the the beat reporters who cover, not to insinuate that beat reporters are biased, but I do think, you know, whenever we do predictions for records and stuff, everybody always ends up predicting like the the cumulative wins are always mathematically impossible yes. because the people who cover the teams do tend to be a little bit more optimistic, perhaps. Well, um, also, I do want, yeah. also, they just don't want to get yelled at. That's what it boils down yes. to. Like for this thing that does not matter, that has no meaning. Like if you can predict 10 and 7 and have your mentions be kind of nice or 7 and 10 and get yelled at all day, it doesn't matter. They're going to say 10 and 7. So I, I hear that from their perspective entirely. <laughs> what What is the number one thing you're being yelled at right about right now? Ooh, that's a good question. I am getting probably actually coincidentally uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks offseason, which I thought was terrible and now looks pretty good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I don't even think the Seahawks knew Geno Smith would be this good. So you can put that in your pocket. I'm pretty sure they did not. (laughs) They traded for Drew Locke. And according to our reporting at ESPN, I believe, the story was that they insisted on trading with the broncos i would not negotiate with anybody else because they specifically targeted drew lock yeah yeah Hmm. listen things sometimes things work out um i'm being yelled at a lot by dolphins fans Hmm. because i made the mistake of engaging in a is Tua or herbert a better quarterback (laughs) argument which i i I keep getting told by Dolphins fans, oh, you think Tua sucks? I'm like, no, I, Herb, I think this is more of a compliment of Justin Herbert, who I just happen to believe is like one of the best 
quarterbacks in the NFL, but mm-hmm. I think Tua is playing great football right now. Anyways, really derailed this. Sorry. Um, I actually do want to talk about a trade at first that I actually think really is helpful for the team, the acquiring team. So maybe you can let's talk. Let's call this temper by enthusiasm, Bill Barnwell. <laughs> um, I, the T.J. Hawkinson trade. Yep. Uh, so the Dolphins are probably the Dolphins. God, the Dolphins are so in my head. You guys have, <laughs> <laughs> you're living there. Uh, a 2023 second rounder and a 2024 yep. third rounder uh, for Hawkinson and a 2023 fourth rounder and a conditional fourth rounder. I like this for Minnesota um, in part because I've been thinking a lot about the Minnesota offense over the last couple of weeks. We're going to talk about them today, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I feel like they are 6-1. and one. We need to talk about them more often. Yes. And this is both clearly a missing piece with, you know, the Irv Smith Jr. injury, but I would argue even before that injury, just not getting enough production from their tight ends. I think there are tremendous voids in coverage because of their wide receivers. And I think mm-hmm. this is a passing offense, Bill, that's kind of been underperforming. Yeah. I mean, first off, I'm guilty of this. I think a lot of people are. Is Irv Smith anyone where we should be like, oh my God, they're without Irv Smith. What are they going to do? No. Like, Irv Smith has not been really good or impactful yes. at any point during his pro career. I'm sure he could turn out to be better, but it's not like there's a big loss here. I think, like you said, they could have justified making this trade even if Irv Smith was totally healthy. Um, and I think it's partly about what happens right now. And of course, he's going to be replacing Irv Smith, who's out for two months with a high ankle sprain, but also what this means for them in the years to come and how this organization is going to view the player market. So just like three or four massive topics to get to about this <laughs> kind of okay, not that exciting trade. So Hawkinson, I, I think in terms of the short term, like you said, I mean, this is an offense that could certainly take advantage of the holes left in their passing game by Justin Jefferson, by Adam Thielen, and the opportunities that are going to be afforded to a tight end. I mean, he's never going to get double covered. Dalvin Cook is a receiving threat and a running threat, so it's not as if teams are even focusing on the tight end as anything more than the fourth or fifth option in this offense. That makes total sense to me. And, of course, as a team that is somehow 6-1, and one, which is a mystery, I think, to many of us. Um, We're going to talk about the Vikings more later. Yes, like like Kwesi Adolfo-Mensa has every reason to go out and want to build a team that can be better this year, even if they don't have necessarily Super Bowl aspirations, which I don't think if you ask them in private, they would say, at least they can be a team that solidifies their significant lead atop the NFC North, hosts a playoff game. I think they have like a 65% chance of finishing as one of the top two seeds in the NFC per FPI, which is pretty impressive. But the nerd perspective on this, man, which you know I have to give, is... Give give, give it. All right, here it comes. Here is the nerd perspective. Bill Bill Buzzkill. No, 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 no. This is actually a positive. Oh, that's such a good nickname, though. Bill Buzzkill is such a good nickname. That's like the the nickname you would get at camp when you're 12 and you would hate it for the rest of your life. I really hope that does not stick. I'm going to hold on to that one. But it's going to, is what it boils down to, sadly. So TJ Hawkinson makes $536,000 this year. He makes $9.4 million next year, and he's a tight end. Yes. And as the Vikings think about their future post-Kirk Cousins, it's probably not going to involve Adam Thielen. It's probably not going to involve Devin Cook. It could not involve uh, Kirk Cousins as recently as next year, if or, or as early as next year, if Kirk Cousins gets mm-hmm. traded. He has no trade clause, but he might get traded as part of an extension. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Kirk Cousins is a free agent after next season. So 
if you're going to be adding a piece behind Justin Jefferson, who is about to get extremely expensive and with good reason, why not pay for a tight end? The top of the wide receiver market just changed dramatically over the course of the mm-hmm. last year. And the the top end tight end deals, your David and Joku's, your Mark Andrews, going for about $13 million a year, that's what Corey Davis makes. That's what Allen Robinson got in free agency. Like you can either get a superstar caliber tight end or a kind of okay big wide receiver. So that's the other thing I like about this deal. You just kind of alluded to it a little bit. Sorry to interrupt you, but so yes, uh, when Claypool trade happened, you know, I I had mixed feelings about it. And one of the things I said, um, I'm sure you've said this too on one of your 50 trade podcasts (laughs) is you can, you know, teams are having a lot of success drafting wide receivers right now, right? It seems like more than ever for a litany of reasons, young wide receivers are coming into the NFL and playing at a very high level. Mm -hmm. Bill, that's not happening with tight ends. Like, uh, in fact, and this is anyone who plays fantasy knows there are very few superstar (laughs) tight ends right now. And TG Hawkinson is one of them. He is Mm -hmm. good at everything. He ranks near the top of the NFL and everything. So, when I look at this team versus thinking like what the Bears did, you know, for also for a second round pick, there's some other things going into that. But I, I like it from a bigger picture standpoint as well, which is we let's allocate this to a known quantity who doesn't make a top, ton of money, knowing that we might not find another tight end like this. Mm-hmm. And the other element when it comes to those draft picks is that drafting a tight end, even given the low success rate, especially for first round tight ends, which would give me some pause, is that tight ends don't make that much money and so you're not earning that much you're not gaining that much in surplus value so when you draft a yes a a guy in the middle of the first round garrett wilson i think is the example i wrote about garrett wilson is going to make 22 million dollars over the next four years if those numbers are wrong please don't get mad at me i'm just coming up with numbers off the top of my head <laughs> 22 right. million over the next four years so he's going to make in four years plus a fifth year option which we can get to what tyreek hill or Devonte adams makes in one year so if mm. he works out you're picking up like 75 million in value for that pick for drafting a wide receiver. If a tight, if you draft a similar tight end at that same spot, even if he turns into the best tight end in football, that's only worth by the market about 52, 54 million total. So after the 22 million for how much is getting paid, you're only earning about 30, 32 million or so, half as much, less than half as much as you earned by drafting a wide mm-hmm. receiver. So the upside in drafting a wide receiver, or of course a quarterback, the most obvious one, is so significant that it doesn't really behoove you to take a tight end that high in the draft because you're just not earning that much, even if they do pan out. Billy Brightside over here. <laughs> there we go. I, I'm glad we both like this. I like it from a football standpoint. I like it from a GMing standpoint. We'll see. Um, yeah. We're, okay. So put a pin in the Vikings. We're talking about their game. Yes. Let's kind of rip through the, 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 that was the big one. And then yeah. there's a few other trades I want to go through really quickly. Um, starting with, Naheem Hines to the Bills for Zach Moss and a sixth rounder. The Bills eternally searching for that scat back who is like Naheem Hines. Just go out and get Naheem Hines. Um, This is fine. You know, I think, you know, James Cook has kind of come on a little bit recently, but I I understand there's some hesitation there. Hines also is a punt returner. I mean, the Bills are so good. This is a team where making little moves on the margins is kind of all they really have to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, this is a like a very hot person getting like a very small accessory. And it's like, you don't need that. You're still hot. Like you're fine. You don't need to get like, I don't know. I'm trying, I don't know what hot people wear, but whatever a hot person wears, whatever a that tiny is. Purse. Tiny a purse. Tiny purses were, were in style for, yeah, a, couple, for a while. Yes. Pre, I was like pre-pandemic or post-pandemic. 
Uh, it was like a mid-pandemic thing. Mid-pandemic. I guess that makes sense. Um, a mid-pandemic tiny purse. That is what Naheem Hines is. <laughs> I just honestly, what I thought more than anything else is how happy I was for Naheem Hines and how bad I felt for Zach Moss, who's leaving the Bills, this wildly successful team. Everything they do on offense oh, works. That's Everything's a good point. going great. I didn't even think about that. And Zach yeah. Moss goes to the Colts. And he's backing up Jonathan Taylor. Like he's not even gonna get the opportunity to like get, you know, 15 carries a game now. So I just felt really bad for Zach Moss that uh he's now going to a franchise that seems to be like shedding uh shedding all of its pieces in real time from week to week it's not great it's not great Zach but if you, the run blocking there too it's just yeah. not 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 the best okay another running back gets traded Jeff Wilson from San Francisco uh reunites with Mike McDaniel who's determined to collect more San Francisco players um so from San Francisco's perspective, we obviously yep. they traded for CMC. We've talked about yep. that in detail. Elijah Mitchell is going to come back uh, at some point from injured reserve. Uh, and the, well, actually, it's just it, Jeff Wilson's a really good running back. So yes. I, from San Francisco's perspective, just to put pause on that, I, I was actually a little surprised that they did this, to be honest. They got a fifth rounder, though, which is not nothing. But I don't know. San Francisco is another team with. Super Bowl aspirations. So mm-hmm. I don't know. What I mean, what did you think about them trading him? I I would have kept him. I mean, I feel like they yeah, have, insurance. They can find uses for him. I guess, you know, in my head, I think, okay, Kyle Shanahan can make a running back out of thin air. But clearly, yeah. someone who does not think that is Kyle, <laughs> Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. So yeah. abiding by his logic, Jeff Wilson's pretty valuable. I honestly thought I, I was surprised that they got as much as they did for Jeff Wilson, who's going to be a free agent. And this is a market where so many running backs were available via trade that didn't get dealt. Cream Hunt didn't get traded. Um, yeah. Melvin Gordon didn't get traded. Weirdly, Chase Edmonds got traded to the Broncos, who didn't need another veteran running back, but they got one. You know, So it wasn't like there was a huge market of teams who were desperate for running backs. And Jeff Wilson is worth more to the Dolphins than he is to other teams because he already knows the scheme. He could step in and play this weekend and be yes. fine. So I, I like the player and I like the fit. I think it was probably more than I would have accepted, but maybe San Francisco wouldn't have made the deal unless they were getting a premium for a yeah, guy who I have to think you know, that could still be useful. Yeah. And so from Miami's perspective, I mean, you said it, he steps right into this offense. Edmonds just was not a good fit for McDaniel's scheme. Uh, you know, Miami's rushing game has been like surprisingly inefficient given mm-hmm. what they should be capable of. So here comes someone who's kind of a proven quantity, um, you know, slight premium. Uh, from like you said, from Miami's perspective, but my- Miami is all the way in this yes. year. Clearly, we already I've talked about the Chubb thing in detail. So, isn't it we'll weird? Like this time last year, they were one and seven. I know, and we were like, just like, oh my god, this is a disaster. Like if they have to blow it up again two years after they blew it up, and now they're actually all in to win in a division where they're maybe they're, they're the second best team in the division, right? Like, can we say for sure? Yeah. I'm just, I'm so scared right now. I just want to get, your, just so want to get your mentions. Literally, literally, the <laughs> new tweet, the new tweet button had opened in between me saying that and you replying. They were just oh ready god. to bounce. Oh god, they're they're a good team though. Yes, they and, are a good like, team. and you know, obviously they they beat Buffalo. Granted, in playing in a tropical heat <laughs> with with uh, no uh, with, with, with the entire Buffalo secondary <laughs> injured. <laughs> All right. I don't want Dolphins fans even better than they are. Uh, the final trade I want to talk about is maybe the most fascinating, which is Jacksonville yes. uh, trading conditional picks in 2023 and 24 
uh, at max, those conditional picks will be a second and a fifth um, conditional. Obviously, Calvin Ridley has been suspended indefinitely. Bill, I'm just gonna say, I, I don't think he's suspended. I think they let him back after this year. I think they, you know, it's too absurd, frankly. Maybe I'm wrong. It's the NFL, but if he does play, yep. um, they get one of the best young receivers in football. Gives them, a, you know, he obviously has inside outside versatility, but I would say is exceptionally useful to them on the outside, given that they don't really have a true perimeter threat. Yep. Um, an elite route runner, great hands, the deep threat for Trevor Lawrence. I love this for Jacksonville. I mean, on paper, it makes total sense, paper, right? Yeah. Like, like your worst, like worst case scenario, if Calvin Ridley never plays again, they're just giving up a fifth round pick, and that's not the end of the world. They'll be fine. If it works out great, where he gets an extension, they give up a two, and it's not until. 2024 so it's a ways away like I, I think this is an easy trade to justify from jacksonville's perspective now calvin ridley's a little older than people give him credit for i think he's 27 now or, or 28 now so he's really kind of like at the point where this is going to be his one deal he's actually probably going to decline over the course of this next contract he's turned he's 27 he turns 28 in december so he's still kind of i think he's going to be fine for the next couple of years if he can play but I'd also say he really only had one year where he was that dude, right? Like, and that was playing across from Julio Jones, who was still an NFL caliber player in 2020. So I, I'd at least be a little concerned that maybe he's not that guy as the true number one, but they have enough around him that I think he'll be fine. Mm. I honestly was more confused about this from the Falcons' perspective. I know that they've basically been waiting to trade Calvin Ridley for a long time now. The trade request why not came wait? last year. That's the thing, right? Like, yeah, why I don't not, get it either. Yeah. Why not wait until the offseason when he gets cleared, when you still have him under contract? Um, his contract told, so he should still be under contract for one more year. There'll be more of a market. Teams will have more cap space. I, I was surprised that they felt like this was the best mm. deal they could get. Yeah, you know, I was when the trade when the news broke, I was reminded of uh, the trade rumors about Calvin Ridley before he was suspended. But mm -hmm. people were talking about teams like New England giving up a first for him, which for sure. made sense. He was a first round talent. You know, it, it was not surprising. So I hear you on the timing for the Falcons. Um, I don't know if they would be. I, I kind of doubt that they would be able to get for him a first for him, mm -hmm. though, even if he was cleared. But perhaps it would have been a better second and more immediate second that they right. could use. Um, so yeah. Okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is a team that did not make a trade okay. before we get to the games. Talking, of course, about the Green Bay Packers. Oh, I thought we were talking about the Giants. <laughs> I was actually shocked that the Giants didn't do anything. Uh, why it. didn't they trade for Alberto? Someone answer this question. I don't know. Me. I yeah, go on yeah. television and ask this question, Mina. <laughs> Refuse to stop the show until someone responds. That's the logical trade for both sides. No. There are all these big trades, and I'm like, what about there's kind of capable players at the margins, like a Cedric Wilson or Elijah Moore, you know, who I thought might have been, I don't know, interesting for a team like New York. But yes, absolutely. Albert, I don't get Albert it. Boone, it's a healthy scratch. I don't understand that whole thing with him in Denver. It's bizarre to me. But um, the biggest problem with the Broncos this year, we can both agree. <laughs> um. So I meant to check Packers Reddit to grab some t tasty morsels, but I forgot to I didn't have time to look. Uh, so I OK, so in a way, it should not surprise anyone because this is the Green Bay Packers. This is how they operate. They don't do they don't take big swings. They don't but, make big acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. However, yes. At the moment, I don't know what Alan, Alan Lazard's health status is, but, you know, he's obviously been battling injuries. Sure. Watkins. You're looking at I okay, so I have a confession to make. Yep. I did not know Samori Torre was on this team until I was watching the Packers on Sunday Night Football. 
Can I knew he, I, I did not know he was on who was the greatest actor. That's fine. Now, what I will ask you in your heart of hearts, do you believe Aaron Rodgers knew Samari Torrey was on the Packers <laughs> until he threw a pass to him in this game? Oh my God. I mean, I don't. Okay, let, 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 me, let me ask you this question. Does the lack of a trade suggest to you that the Packers' front office mm -hmm. does not believe mm -hmm. they're contending? Because, and this is complicated because it's a very weird front. I mean, the way they do things is different, not weird, but different. Okay. So the way they do things is different. You are 100% correct. But the big difference between the past and right now is that they can point to the field. In years past, they were 13 and 3, 13 and 3, and 13 and 4. Aaron Rodgers was winning back to back MVPs. They could say, hey, look, we didn't get a wide receiver, but we're still great. Like, we're still winning. So clearly, you guys are idiots because we know better. Look at what our, our record is can't make that argument anymore they're three and five three and five they've lost four straight the offense is 26 in points per drive it looks bad it feels bad it's not a fun team to watch can't be a fun team to coach or be a part of right now like that argument to me about oh well, they do things differently is valid until it's not working and once it stops working then you have to be willing to make a change and i organizations are always more optimistic about their chances than the outside public. And that makes sense, right? Like teams spend every day around people. We've seen what Aaron Rodgers can do. We've seen them turn things around. It should be able to get fixed. But if it didn't get fixed against the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders, when is it going to get fixed? Like they play Dallas, Tennessee, the Eagles. They got the Lions next week, which is like they're going to score 40 points and it's going to be like, oh, everything's great. And then they play the, the Cowboys the following week and it's going to be terrifying. I I think they kind of got squeezed, right? Like they were reportedly, according to Jazina Anderson, in on Claypool um, yeah. before the Bears outbid them. You got to figure they were at least making calls elsewhere, but there might not have been a an opportunity that made sense. They do have major cap concerns, and Brandon Cooks' yeah. deal would have been tough to fit. But at the same time, like I I I I am number one cap nerd. Like like oh, we can't afford this. You can make it work if you absolutely need to make it work. And if there's ever a time to make it work, isn't this it with a, a franchise quarterback who's on his last legs? And also, and, and this is, I mean, you kind of got at this with, you know, your commentary on how bad they are. If this was a team where the defense was as good as they thought they would be mm -hmm. playing up to their talent level and they were, you know, maybe not dominant on offense, but winning some gains through ground and pound, kind of the way we thought they would be, For you sure. know, um, and it felt like they were still, you know, firmly, at least in contention. I think I would understand the front office sitting on their hands and being like, hey, we really like our young receivers. Mm -hmm. Romeo Dobbs is getting better every week. We mm -hmm. think by the end of the year, when it's time for the playoffs, they'll be ready. But that's not the situation. No. <laughs> like, this is not a team where you can sit around at this moment and wait for those guys to develop. Like, it needs to happen immediately. And I think that's just, I mean, we don't have to get into the, the, the need for a receiver is glaring and obvious. The lack of production, the lack of explosiveness, it, it, the lack of connectivity between Roger. Because the receivers are getting, they're, they're, they're winning downfield. They're just like, it's just not connecting. Poor, poor Wi-Fi reception is the way i would describe this offense like you get a very blurry photo um sounds like a robot is talking i mean romeo dobbs is aaron Rodgers' most dynamic receiver and oh, aaron Rodgers is going on pat mcafee's show and subtweeting him 
Like that's what that this offense a, has come to. Oh, that that was a sick catch, the touchdown catch. Oh, it was made. great. That was it really was sick. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I, so, anyways, in conclusion, if I was a Packers fan, I'd be I'd be pretty mad. And I think this front office has earned a lot of trust over the years. But I I would just it's hard for me to look at this team and understand how you can sit pat and feel like you've got a shot at this thing. And now, look, if things change, use that sound and aggregate me. I don't care. Now. The one exception, there is a free agent out there who could be helpful to this team. You don't want to live in Green Bay. Well, maybe for half a year. He, they, honestly, if Odell was like, listen, you have to fly me on a private jet from Los Angeles to Green Bay every single week. Um, I think the Packers would, I don't know if this Mark Murphy, he has a private plane, I guess. The Packers have some <laughs> kind of private plane they can give him. Um, yeah, they famously flew the plane out to see Rodgers during the contract. There you off, go. I think. There you go. Now, here's my prediction. Right now, it is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Mm-hmm. OBJ is going to be a cowboy. Doesn't that just make more sense? Wow. I never so, thought of that before. I like that. Think one. about it. Doesn't it just, like, from all sides? Doesn't it just, it's, it just doesn't it feel like a Jerry Jones thing? Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel like an OBJ thing? Doesn't it feel like a position that they could use? Oh, sure. That they need to augment? It just makes sense, Bill. That's why you're sense. a professional, Mina. That is a such a good idea. I'm jealous I didn't think of it, to be honest with you. Honestly, every single week, I just think, oh, my God, Odell's going to get so much more money than he would have got last week. Every <laughs> single week, I feel like his market, like the For teams him, that man. are interested in Odell get more and more desperate. Maybe he'll be Packer. Sorry, Packers fans. I didn't mean to disparage Green Bay. I meant more so like I was trying to put myself in OBJ's mindset. I do enjoy Green Bay. I've been there. It's a great football town. Okay. Actually, let's talk. Let's start off by talking about two teams who didn't do anything and... I want to, before we get to the game, I want to ask you if you, well, actually, no, there's, I was going to deal in hypotheticals, but we actually have real trade thoughts when it comes to the Rams. So the Rams and the Bucks are playing. These are, this is a game that probably looked really ske- sexy to the schedule makers for the yes. season. Oh my uh, it is, they are two of the most underwhelming teams along with Green Bay, I would say, in the NFL. Uh, so the Rams apparently not only were in the mix for Christian McCaffrey, but wanted to trade two future firsts for Brian Burns, mm-hmm. which Carolina turned down. Um, do you like? Do you think the Rams should have done that? Mm. Do I think either side should have done that to me? Or you mean the Carolina should have said yes? Uh, no, I w- I would say they both could justify saying no. To be honest with you, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, start starting off. How do you feel about Brian Burns as a player? I think he's very good. He's very good. I, I I would agree. And I think he plays a position that is extremely valuable, an edge rusher. The Rams do need an edge rusher. They miss Von Miller so bad. Their edge rushers have, like I think, one and a half sacks this year, something like that, so bad. far this season. And that's playing with Aaron Donald, which, frankly, like you're going to run into a couple sacks just by accident. Like Aaron Donald's going to terrorize an opposing quarterback into running directly into you. So just by falling down near him, you're going to get a sack. That's where they're at. And Brian Burns is the perfect <laughs> like Rams addition, right? Like he's 24 in the middle of his rookie contract this is the exact kind of player the rams target when they make these kinds of trades jalen ramsey brandon cooks obvious examples from the past so which side which side do you want to argue should have said no first because i think you can make the case for both sides well with carolina it's just such a haul this is a rebuilding team now i'm a little i am actually a little mixed on this because he's the kind of player you rebuild around and i so when everybody was kind of like mentally 
ransacking the Panthers roster. I was like, wait, why, why would they trade TJ Moore? Like, right. this is, they have good young players. They should build around them when, when they, they're probably going to draft a quarterback next year. So right. I can see the case against it for Carolina. It is a haul, though, Bill. It is a haul. Oh, for sure. But it's a haul in 2024 and 2025 because the Rams do not have their first round pick this year. Matthew Stafford, uh, this is the final Matthew Stafford pick is going back to the Lions this year, which might be a pretty good pick for the well, Lions, depending on how the Rams are going. That was the other thing I was going to say is like where, with the Rams and the direction they're going in, I was thinking by that time that those picks come around, they're probably yes. pretty good. This could be could be the Nets Celtics thing, right? Where like yeah. they, they give up like a top five pick in 2025. But Scott Fitterer, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, might not be there to make yeah. that that draft pick if he makes this trade. I mean, Burns, yeah. like you said, is 24 years old. He's not going to be. It's not like he's 30. It's not like he's going to be out of his prime by the time the Panthers mm-hmm. are good. And I think on top of that, if you're the Panthers, you look at the Giants, look at the Eagles. Right over the past couple of years, they've gone from being a league laughing stock and a disaster and a team that looked like they were years away from competing to being basically guaranteed playoff teams at this point of the season. So if you're the Panthers and you think, okay, we're getting a new quarterback and a new head coach next offseason, we might turn it around that quickly. We could be in a, by the way, a terrible NFC South, which is probably losing Tom Brady this offseason. That division is wide open, and the Panthers could very comfortably be the best team in that division if they get those two jobs correct. So I think there's not a lot of arguments for me to trading Brian Burns unless you're getting just overwhelmed with so many draft picks or so much value that you have to make the deal. And I don't, I think two draft picks is probably fair or maybe a little better than fair, but I don't think I'm blown away by that offer for my best young player on the defensive side of the ball. So the reason why the Rams have making the trade is bonkers to me is I just don't think they're a Brian Burns away from Mm -hmm. contending. I mean, and that's just to, I guess, turn it to this game. The problem with the Rams is that there are too many problems. Uh, this is not a team that was a Christian McCaffrey away or right. a Brian Burns away, and th- those are both. This is one of the worst rushing gets uh, get rush rushing attacks in the NFL. Oh yeah, as you laid out, the pass rush outside of Aaron Donald has been abysmal this year. But you know the biggest problem is the offensive line, which no team can fix in the trade deadline. Yes, um, they need a wide receiver. Like there's just this roster has just so many problems that. I get the feeling like, well, we went all in, so we got to just keep going all in to contend now. But at some point, you kind of got to look in the mirror and think, well, I mean, would we really have been able to compete even if we did this? Mm, Yeah, I mean, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. And for the Rams, if you have a problem, (laughs) throw two first-round picks at it, and that will solve the problem. I mean, I think when I had uh, Jordan Rodriguez in my podcast on The Athletic, I think she made a really good point in terms of contextualizing how the Rams think. They think, okay, Aaron Donald has so many years left. This is yeah. our window is Aaron Donald. The the window is Sean McVay. It's not five, six years down the line. And so I think from their perspective, if they thought, okay, what's the guy who can make the biggest difference for us over the next two or three years? Brian Burns makes a lot of sense, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think they're, they're one piece away. And even if they don't want to use those draft picks as constructed in 2024 and 2025, there's a lot of option value with those picks. You can trade up and grab a player in 2023 who's going to make a more immediate impact. You can trade for other veterans at positions of need, like offensive line or a less expensive edge rusher. They could have traded for Bradley Chubb, for example, and traded one first-round pick instead of two. I mean, there's lots of different ways they can go about how they want to take those picks and get the most value out of them. And 
I think even like you said, if they trade for Brian Burns, give up those two first round picks, they are a better team, maybe the best team in the NFC West, but they still have the same obvious holes and the same significant problems that now they're going to have even fewer resources to deal with in the years to come. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that moment for them last week where Cooper Cup went down injured, that should have been a wake-up call for them. That should have been like, oh, my God, we're one Cooper Cup injury yeah. away from just oh being God. totally toast. And I that, mean, if you took if you took out Cooper Cup, where does this rank amongst teams in the NFL? Like, I mean, it feels like the Bears. It feels like they're yeah. the Bears, but with Matthew Stafford instead of Justin Fields. And so, honestly, worse yeah. running backs. Yeah, oof, definitely worse running backs. So they can't run the ball. They're missing a wide receiver. They can't pass protect. Uh, so they go up in this one against a Bucks defense that, to yes. be fair, is reeling. They just lost their best pass rusher in Shaq Barrett. Right. I guess will be replaced by a combination of, well, you have Joe Tranchink as already a starter, so it'll be Anthony Nelson probably with Carl Nass- Nassib. Yeah, it'll just be a rotation of guys, I think. Um, yeah, rotation. Um, that can't stop the run, shockingly, this year. That hopefully mm. will be getting some players back. So, like, in this last game against the Ravens, the Bucks were missing half of their secondary. Um, so, Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis, and Jamel, uh, Jamel Dean were all mm. out. We'll see which of them play in this one. Yep. Um, I, I just don't have any confidence in this Rams offense, even against a Bucks defense that has been wildly underperforming. Right. I mean, I think it's easier to imagine how the Bucks can heat up Matthew Stafford. I, we know Todd Bowles likes to blitz, yeah. ideally. And this is a Rams team that I don't think matches up well against the blitz, outside of Cooper Cup making magic happen. Matthew Stafford last year was number one in the NFL in QBR against man-to-man coverage. This year, he's 28th. Last year, number one in yards per attempt on passes, 20 or more yards in the air, deep throws. This year, 32nd in the NFL. Like They are the explosive plays, the stuff that they did so well last year, the the option routes, the opportunities to hit shots off of teams focused on Cooper Cup. They're just not doing that. I mean, I always joke with our friend Nate Tice about Tutu Atwell because whenever the Rams come up, he always brings up Tutu Atwell. Like Tutu Atwell is an actually important part of this football team when he's healthy because he's the only guy they have who can run. The only guy who can the, get downfield. Their whole, their entire run game. Yes, right. Oh, oh you mean their the ability to stretch the field vertically? Yes. I was going to say their entire run game is just manufactured touches, like sweeps yes. and. Um, yeah. And, and for the Bucks, like yes, they have trouble stopping the run, which, by the way, like that is a weird thing. Where like, I can say this with you because I know you're actually paying attention and you're ahead of the curve. Like, the Bucks being incredible at stopping the run. Like it became a thing like a year before people started talking about it. Mm-hmm, and now that yeah. it's no longer the case, people are going to talk about it for another year. And then it's going to be like, oh, actually, they suck against the run. It's going to be it, it's <laughs> the a delayed bit of a, take cycle. Yes, the delayed take cycle that people who you and I are actually paying attention may not feel otherwise. The, the, um, the, the, the suckiness against the run, too, is, yes. is interesting because it's really at every level. I was yeah. thinking that. Why, I mean, I, granted, Baltimore is going to make anyone look silly sometimes. Right. And we all were tweeting about Devin White and his struggles, but yes. it was really like a lot of. The players seem to be taking the wrong angles or just mm-hmm. missing guys. Like it, it was just a it pretty bad stuff. performance across the board. Yeah, like, simple stuff. Yeah, right. Like it was like you know, like like gaps weren't covered, and like yes, sometimes you're going to get blown out of the water. The Ravens are just great blockers. That stuff happens. And I'm not going to criticize a team for that, but like they were overrunning stuff a couple weeks in a row in the Panthers game. They allowed a couple of big plays because they didn't have 
uh, gap security. And that is that that's the stuff that you can control. You can't control guys staying healthy. You can't control guys getting run over by by bigger players, but you can control being in the right spots after the snap. And in a and against a different offense, like against a more limited offense, like the Falcons, for example, this would be a terrible matchup for the Bucs because they can run all over the Bucs. But the Rams have no ability or propensity to do that. So I think the Bucs are more likely to give the Rams offense trouble than vice versa. So the Bucks offense, well, the Bucks offense sees the Rams run rushing attack and <laughs> says, hey, here we come. Uh, they're a little bit more frustrating because uh, I think the Rams issues are largely personnel. Yep. Whereas the Bucks issues, I think a lot of it is coaching and game management. Um, some of it, there's, there's, there's personnel things like I think the obviously the changes in the offensive line are not only hurting the run game, but also making Tom Brady skittish and <sighs> having Aaron Donald in town against your suspect oh interior offensive line is is not going to help that cause. Oh, no. But uh, when I was watching the Bucks um, on Thursday Night Football, Bill, the first drive, I was like, oh, yeah, like, guys, it doesn't have to be that bad, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or anytime they go up tempo and they stop mm-hmm. running it on first down, you're like, oh, yeah, like, Mm-hmm. You know, this could this could work. You've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin. You got, you know, in and, and yet they just constantly bog themselves down. Um, it it feels like guys are never open. I don't mm-hmm. I, like that's such a banal take. And, and, and you know, this isn't the, like they don't really have like Mike Evans is not a big separation guy and neither no. is Chris Godwin. He's a good route runner, but it feels like every window to, throw Tom Brady makes is into a tight window this year. It does, and it feels like there's so many throws each game where either they're not on the same page or yeah. it gets like one hop to a receiver where Tom's expecting him to kind of settle down and the guy keeps going. Like, it'd be one thing if this were the Bears offense last year where it's a new quarterback, clearly the coaching staff's not very good, like not everyone's on the same page. Oh, okay, I could see that. This is this is These are the same guys who won a Super Bowl two years ago. It's all veterans. It's all really good players. And like, you can't control the pass pro, pass pro stuff because of the injuries, but you can control where the routes are going. You can control guys being on the same page and you can fix that over the course of a season. And it feels like that problem has not been solved for the Bucks as the year goes along. And I think over the last couple of months, it's been like, okay, well, once they get X player back, it'll be fine. Once they get Evans back, once yeah. they get Gowan back or Russell Gage back or, you know, they're all back. Like, <laughs> like Ryan Jensen's not coming back. Um, Shaq Mason's playing fine. He hasn't been the problem, but that line's going to be the line that it is until the end of the year. Like you got to figure it out. And I, I've watched a lot of Tom Brady in my life as a fan, as a local Bostonian, as a analyst. I can't recall the game in my life. Maybe the Broncos game in the playoffs a few years ago, where he got destroyed by uh, Demarcus Ware and Von Miller. I think Tom Brady ran more around the pocket in that game against the Ravens than he'd run in any game in his life up to this point. Like he was constantly getting moved off the spot because guys aren't open. He's moving because he's waiting for guys, not only getting pressured, but waiting for guys to clear out. And like a Tom Brady scramble drill is not what this offense is designed to be. Um, You hit a lot there. The thing about the sort of fact that they look kind of discombobulated there was a moment i'm sorry to keep going back to thursday night football but it's fresh in my mind when tom brady it looked like a bad throw but clearly he thought yes the wide receiver and 
Al Michaels goes, well, you know, it's these new wide receivers and like they haven't played together. I'm like, that's Mike Evans. <laughs> that was, do you remember this when you said that? I, I was do. like, that was I Mike do. Evans that he was throwing to. And they were on totally different pages. I don't get it at all. However, I kind of lean bucks in this one. Uh, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> uh, the Rams, have, I mean, just a lot of issues on that defense. That's like the non-Ramseys in that secondary. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of mismatches that they can exploit. Safeties aren't playing great. Obviously, there's some injuries there. Okay. So, Let me ask you this question. <laughs> Which of these teams do you think has a better chance of actually turning things around and being the team we expected the over Bucks. the course of the rest of the season? The I Bucks. agree. I'm not, I have not given up. First, they play in the NFC South, so there's yep. that. I just haven't given, I just think, I mean, losing Shaq Barrett is what gives me a little bit of pause because Mm -hmm. I I do want to see whether, how that pass rush looks without him. But the reason I say it's the Bucs is because they still have those excellent wide receivers and three or four times a a game, Tom Brady throws like an absolute dime. Mm -hmm. You're like, all right. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I agree with you. And I think the other element, and maybe this is me just hoping against hope for Tom Brady's sake. He has Gronk's number. Like, at some point, Gronk's going to pick up the phone, right? I thought they might trade for Alberto <laughs> to bring it full circle. This is just going to be a podcast of us arguing that Albert Aguayboni should have been honestly, traded for by every single NFL team. Or Hunt. I don't know. Hunt. Anyone. Anyone. Like, just. or More maybe so than the Rams. I thought this is a team where, like, okay, you can add a tight end or a running back. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. This podcast is on pace to be like four hours, so we're going to take a quick break, come back, and we're going to go much more quickly through some games. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, It is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, we're back. So uh, I promised Vikings talk. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing you Vikings talk. I feel like I undercovered the Vikings for the first like six weeks of the season. Sure. And I have been. I watched them closely on Sunday being like, I got to get my arms around this team. Bill, I did not get my arms around this team. However, I um, do have some thoughts. They're playing the Commanders. Yep. Have you noticed people started calling them the Manders? Absolutely not. And I'm... Ke- Kevin Durant is trying to make it happen. Physically, just on so many levels, emotionally, physically opposed to that idea of the Manders. The Manders. I hate it. I hate it. Better oh. than like the Commanders, I feel like, though. I mean, we we can get into a list of all the different variations of this name and how bad they are. None of them are good, frankly. 
The commas. The commas. They call them the commas after that, Dan Snyder sells it for billions of dollars. Mm, that's actually a good one. That I feel like you set this entire conversation up just so I you can get commas out there. By the way, I don't think he's going to sell, but that's neither here nor there. Mm, that's a everybody was like celebrating like yes. the scene in Star Wars um, when the Ewoks celebrate, mm -hmm. you know, and they're pulling down the statue of Darth Vader <laughs> at the end of spoiler alert, the original trilogy. And I was like watching like, nah, the what comes after that do, one? Do you know? Do you know? I've, I've only seen one Star Wars movie my entire life. And that what? was that was a, I so I was I pitched Grantland on when the seventh movie was coming out then the first of the new series i was gonna watch hey, all I'm, six uh, in a row oh, hey i'm sorry to interrupt you but i just got a message mm -hmm. disney just fired you sorry that's fine that's fine I, i've been waiting for it for a long time okay a uh, new villain emerges after yes Earth. that's me I, I i i was gonna watch all six in a row and then watch the seventh one in theaters i was like a big <laughs> marathon but then the website shut down so i never did it i watched that's one i watched one on a on a plane and i was like oh this is okay i said people would like this but have not watched any other ones i like them all i like the series the spin-offs and what we're watching that Andor. is why you are a model disney employee i know times. cast member please okay <laughs> so how did we even go down this road I vikings forgot. vikings oh the no no that was dan snyder being yes. brought down like darth i was just like mm. and then when they put out the statement they're like we're exploring all transactions i'm like there it is there it is guys <laughs> okay um, I do. I did enjoy. This is a sign of how much my life has changed from when I cover science. Is that mm -hmm. my or science, but finance is that my timeline was overwhelmingly people making both the jokes in response <laughs> to seeing Bank of America securities, which is just <laughs> what my life is now. Um, okay, so the Vikings. I, so we, we we talked a little bit about the addition of T.J. Hawkinson, and I kind of alluded to this bill. Like going into last week, I was. I complained on my previous podcast about how this offense is so conservative this year and they're just mm -hmm. not pushing the ball downfield and it's been mm -hmm. frustrating to watch. Um, so against Arizona, something that I was pretty encouraged by was um, Kirk Cousins just saying, you know what? I will throw that 50-50 ball <laughs> to Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Turns out a great idea. Yes. Um, and so he gets to go up against a Manders defense mm -hmm. that is 28th against the pass in DVOA, mm -hmm. second against the run, fascinatingly. Yeah. Uh, that I didn't I didn't realize that. He did a really good job against the Eagles. That they were like that, yeah. that Eagles game was like one of the worst rushing performances of the entire season by any team. So uh, crazily enough, I think when people think of the commanders, even without Chase Young, they would think, oh, this is the pass rushes, all that's good. But um they're actually third in EPA per play when the quarterback is not pressured mm -hmm. this year. Um I think they've got like decent young safeties. Cornerback has been a problem. Oh, I didn't even mention that they traded William Jackson the third, who turns out can't play zone. Um, so that's my complete shouldn't, analysis of that. Shouldn't shouldn't teams realize this stuff before they give players massive <laughs> contracts? Know. When they did the trade, I remember my analysis. My analysis was, I guess they're switching to man. They're going to play more man. <laughs> that was wrong. Shout out Jack Delria. Um, yeah. So. As far as this particular matchup goes, though, the Vikings yep. against the, you know, it, the Vikings offense would seem to be at an advantage just from a mm -hmm. matchup perspective. Um, you know, the Vikings do run the ball well, but as we just discussed, Washington's pretty good at that. What do you think is the formula for Washington in terms of pulling off an upset? Mm, what they've done the last three weeks to win these games is basically just be the best football team in history inside the red zone. <laughs> 
they in the Bears game, remember the Bears game Monday Night Football? Yeah. Was it Monday Night Football where it was three trips to the red zone, interception, and two turnovers on downs? Packers only went to the red zone once, so they did a good job of stopping the Packers from even getting into the red zone. Did score a touchdown, and then against the Colts, Jonathan Taylor fumble, field goal, and touchdown. Seventeen points for opposing offenses on seven drives in the red zone during this three-game winning streak. And for the Vikings, I mean, they they have been prone to a disaster or two in the red zone. During Kirk Cousins' time, Kirk that was uh, he was on the Vikings when he he had that play where he kneeled by accident, right? Yeah, that was a I Vikings so. play or a a um, Washington play. I think that was the Vikings. I think it was the Vikings too. But if, if I'm sure we'll hear about it if we're wrong. But the point is basically they're a good defense, but they've been a little hot. They've been running a little hot in the red zone over the past few weeks, and I think no, it was Washington. Sorry, I just googled it. Oh, okay. he kneeled instead of spiking. Yeah. Oh God, I forgot about that's that. incredible. Like that is such like a. Like that's something you would do in Madden, and yet it happened in real life. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think this defense is better than people give it credit for, and I do think substituting William Jackson out is a positive for this mm -hmm. defense. But I do think they can be a little handsy at times. I could see yeah. a lot of like pass interference penalties with Justin Jefferson in this game, and I think they have to be really good in the red zone, and I think that is going to be tough to sustain. One thing I like for them is that the best player on the entire team is Jonathan Allen, and yes. well, on the defense. We'll get, to, we'll get to Terry McLaurin in a second. Mm -hmm. And that is the Vikings offensive line. I think the particularly, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing better, but yep. on the inside, there's some soft, there's some weakness there. No, um, no, so. no Vikings fan ever fully trusts the Vikings offensive line. Yeah. It's something I've discovered. <laughs> Darisol looks like a hit though, man. He's good. And then Brian O'Neill is a very good tackle. Like they are tackles on a problem. Interior, yeah. mm, some young players there. And again, like Jonathan Allen is, for if you're not watching him on a regular basis, he is a freak. He is a he is one of the best. Player. Yeah, like we're gonna talk about the Titans. I feel like yes. he and Jeffrey Simmons are like on in, a, a second tier behind Aaron Donald to me. Thousand percent, and Chris Jones. Um, Chris Jones. Well, actually, we're gonna talk about Chris Jones. Um, okay, so offensively, the Manders uh, <laughs> have been. Uh, you know, you want to talk about fifty fifty balls to Justin Jefferson? Turns out. <laughs> Effort Terry up there somewhere <laughs> is an incredible offensive plan. Um, Vikings defense is is interesting because like they I, I feel like they're I wouldn't say they're worse than some of their parts because I think on the back end they're definitely lacking talent. Mm -hmm. uh, but like whenever I watch them, it seems like Zedarius Smith is doing something incredible. Yes, but then when I watch the entire like when I watch like a highlight or whatever, but if you watch the entire game. They're kind of soft. I don't mm. know. Like, you know, like it's you can definitely I don't know if a team like Washington necessarily is built to like kind of pound them into submission. But um, they're just I, I feel like there's Damn. actually some similarities to the Green Bay in some yeah. way. Actually, schematically, there's some similarities too, where they just kind of play like kind of off. They have real 2021 Eagles vibes to me. Yeah, that's such a good call. Where it's like, you know, like, if, yeah. if the pass rush gets home, they look good. And when the pass yes. rush doesn't get home, ooh, they are stinky. They are 25th. They improved last week. 25th in QBR when they don't get pressure. The only okay. playoff team worse than them in terms of QBR when they don't get pressure are the Chiefs, um, who are, I think, similar in some ways as well. Uh, Sedarius Smith is playing out of his mind. Like, out of his awesome. mind. He's also like they're moving him around. Yeah. He, he destroyed Kyler Murray. It was, there's yes. one point where he looked like 
Pac-Man goblin, like one, you know, like he just kind of ate, like I, he like almost like I, I, I lost sight of Kyler Murray in the sack is what I'm saying. <laughs> I was afraid. You were worried the earth lost contain on Kyler I was, Murray. I was fearful. Yes, yeah. fair. Um, I, you know, and it's funny because he was a guy who was available. I mean, he's getting, I think his deal's really a one year, like six and a half million dollar contract, really? which a lot of teams would probably wish they had given Darius Smith that deal, including the Ravens, who uh, failed him on his physical uh, after they tried to I sign him this year. Right. Mm. Oh, that what a mistake. Mm. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. those doctors. What do they know? Come on. He looks awesome. a football player. He looks like an absolute beast, which is impressive. But I do think that's the thing, right? Like, if you can stop the pass rush, that yeah. secondary is playing off. They're old. They're not very good. Um, they were a little more aggressive last week. I know Patrick Peterson had said we're going to play more. We're going to play tighter coverage uh, coming out of their bye. Speaking of guys who like turn back at the clock, by the way, Patrick yes. Peterson. I, again, I, I'm just coming out this last game. I was like, damn. He was pretty good. He was good. He was good in the Cardinals game, and you could tell like he was calling out Steve Kime on the field after the game. Love it. Um, so I think we have to see. Like before the bye, I thought they were pretty conservative and not very good in the secondary. If they're if they're better after this bye week um, that they just had after before the Cardinals game, I think that raises sort of their ceiling on defense. But might mean more big plays. And we saw Taylor Heineke is going to throw it up. Gonna throw it up. He's gonna throw it up. I do think, um, yeah, and then you talked about the pass rush. Washington's offensive line's pretty sus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think Jahan Dotson's back, but the combination of McLaurin and Samuel, it's yeah. a good pairing. So um I think Minnesota wins this one. I do. I'm just excited because next week we get Vikings Bills, and so we can finally have Ooh. like a meaningful referendum on whether the Vikings are actually good. We don't have to imagine what it's like against real teams. The seven and one Minnesota Vikings. I love every team should have to play the Bills once just so we know where they stack up. What a great And they lost to the Eagles. That's the that's the Bills of the NFC. So that's their one loss so far this year. Yeah. Yeah, they, but you know, there's there's three good teams, and in, if you lose to one of them, you're not in that tier. Sorry. I, I, I like that we said we were going to speed up after the break, and we just did ten minutes on Vikings. Commanders. I think there's only one more game. We're, we're talking Titans Chiefs. Is do you another? want to talk Chargers Falcons? Oh, I do want to talk Chargers Falcons. <laughs> Losing control of this podcast. Uh, okay, let's do Chargers Falcons first. Actually, okay. Um, two teams with winning records. <laughs> is that true? That is true. <laughs> right? Wow. The Falcons. Uh, no, Falcons are four and four. Oh damn it! They're top of the NFC South. That's true. Um, this does feel important, though, in terms of kind of you know these are kind of two teams where they're sort of on the margins of mm-hmm. contention right now. Um, so I, here's I'll start with my treetops take. Yeah, the Chargers are the more talented football team, but mm. the Falcons' offense is built to destroy oh them. Oh my God! Can you imagine <laughs> Arthur Smith just licking his chops in July when he gets the schedule, <laughs> looking at this game? Oh, well, we thought they would be so better. Yards. We thought they would be better in July. Arthur, they... Arthur Smith knew better than that. Come on. Um, okay, so we don't even really we know the Falcons offenses. I've talked about them a bunch. Do you know the Falcons offense? Uh so they're what's crazy is that they're 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 tenth in both pass and rushing DVOA. Mm-hmm. They face the second most stacked boxes in the NFL, unsurprisingly, behind Lamar Jackson. And when Lamar Jackson and when Marcus Mariota faces stacked boxes, he has a completion percentage over expectation of 18%. Wow. That is very good. Now, the big difference between them is his off-target rate is 19%. Lamar's age. So they're different quarterbacks. 
Um, point is, teams sell out to stop the run against this team. And when they do, good things happen for Atlanta. Yes, because they can still run the ball even when teams sell out. Like, just because you have a, a loaded box doesn't mean that they can't run the ball. And once in a while, when Arthur Smith gets distracted and someone else calls in a pass play, they can throw the ball. Like, they have two really good weapons in Drake London and Kyle Pitts. They just try not to use them if at all possible. Zacchaeus disrespect. I really like the idea of Arthur Smith being distracted, turning <laughs> around, and Marcus Mariota's thrown like a sixty-yard you know, pass. Damn it, Marcus! Yeah, no, uh, who was the um, guy? Was it, uh, Demir Bird had like a seventy-five-yard yeah, touchdown. Yeah, Arthur Smith's like furious. Oh, um, okay, so the Chargers were supposed to have improved our run defense. They've obviously mm. had a ton of injuries, I, and I think the Joey Bosa injury in particular, people underestimate how important it is for those for him and Mac. Uh, yep. to set the edge yep. in Brandon Staley's defense in particular. So I think losing him was pretty brutal. Like, it's not like Sebastian Joseph Day hasn't been, and Austin Jackson haven't been good additions. They're just, like, missing too many dudes, honestly. Linebacker's still a problem as well in run defense. Let's see. I'm sure that they're the problems. Like, sorry, I don't have this on top of me. It's fine. But you know what? One, I'm going to say 23rd. Uh, it's better. I'm going to say uh, if you coach the Chargers – you don't get to assume that you're going to have all your players all season. Like we have oh enough God. of a sample size snow. Like two dudes are going down in spectacularly heartbreaking fashion. One guy is going to have a mysterious injury in August that's never going to go away. Like that's just part and parcel of being the Chargers coach. You have to so, plan for that. So they lost J.C. Jackson, and which is on one hand, I, it, it's brutal if you thought J.C. Jackson. Well, it's brutal for J.C. Jackson, obviously, and of course. But from a football perspective, he was not playing well. He also just seemed totally uncomfortable in their scheme, as evidenced by the fact that when he went out and Michael Davis mm-hmm. came back in, who's played, you know, who's been a charger for a minute, the defense instantly stopped busting coverage. So yes. we shall see. Um, you know, this is a defense that's just given up a ton of big plays. There are just tons of mistakes on the back end. And from what I understand, a lot of it is the sort of complexity of the defense and, and players just not understanding their assignments. So we'll see if that improves. I mean, having players who are so talented that they can overcome that is one way to approach it. But when you have your superstars out because of injury, it's going to make it a lot tougher. And even at their best, even if it was a full roster, like this is a defense that is never going to be great against the run. It could be okay. Like it wants to be great against the yeah. pass and, and just kind of, survive against the run but that is exactly what the falcons want to attack and then right on the flip side of this game i don't know justin herbert's gonna throw the ball to like he might not have any receivers of note in this offense left so well justin herbert doesn't check down and only throws deep i don't know if you um yeah so uh keenan allen sounds like he's not gonna play yep mike williams is hurt um Mike Williams not going to play. Josh Palmer is is Josh Palmer back? I think so. I think I saw him catch a pass. Uh, Guyton's obviously out for the season. Yeah, uh, Palmer so, Palmer is back. Uh, uh, DeAndre Carter's been okay for them. Shit, I might have to start him. He's on yeah, one of my teams. Uh, so Austin Eckler is going to catch a lot of passes in this game. So the Falcons' defense is not good. Let's no. start there. But they're um, like. Like, they're playing with a hand behind their back. Like, we know Dean Pease wants to blitz. He's really good at it. What do you do with Baltimore? Do with the Patriots? They don't have the dudes to do that, especially if A.J. Terrell's not yeah. playing. 
Um, oh God! They're yeah. blitzing at the fourth lowest rate in football, and just, of course, yeah. they have mm. the lowest pressure rate in football. And I think that's sort of the issue is that like Justin Herbert, if you give him enough time, he's gonna find somebody. Like he has a howitzer of an arm; he could fit, fit a ball into a window. And they're very good at scramble drills. He's the fifth best QBR in the league when he's unpressured. So like, even though they don't have guys at receiver left. I think Herbert's eventually going to find somebody if they can't get pressure on him. I agree. I it, This is just like a survival game kind of in some ways. It's like, all right, we're missing this. You're missing this. You're missing this. Let's see. Um, I just don't think, the, you know, the fact like Ebicady's been okay for them. Grady Jarrett is still really good. Yes, Grady Jarrett's been I, playing great. I don't think that um, even with the issues in the Chargers offensive line, we'll see if Court Lindsley is back and healthy. I think that's, he was sick in the last game or had some kind of issue and, it's that you know that was a problem for them obviously given some of the yeah. other injuries that they've had so yeah the other thing but you know what i just want to see i want to see like justin herbert so he fractured his ribs at the very beginning of the season mm-hmm. and i i it has very clearly affected his play this is not excuse making literally use your eyes he does not run the way he did before what is the phrase you use to describe justin herbert's uh ribs and insides jello put- they're jello pudding ribs, <laughs> jello pudding ribs. so the thing I want to see is like, at what point does it start looking like he's himself again? Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. so I, that would be curious. Obviously, they had the bye week, you know, so yep. maybe. Um, yeah, I'm having a tough one time with this one, Bill. Kind of feels Falconsy, to be feels honest Falcon-Z. with you. Feels Falconsy. First place Falconsy. Feels like Falcons run the ball, just run so many so times, so much, and then the Chargers are down by a touchdown Mm -hmm. they're driving they're at their own 18th Brandon Staley goes for it he calls Mm -hmm. a pass play it's stick (laughs) it's stick okay they they throw stick to a guy we've never heard of they throw stick to who was the guy in the Packers oh my god wait okay let me pull up the Chargers depth chart because I think we have to actually learn who's gonna play in this game we I brought it up with that okay so I DeAndre Carter and Josh Josh Palmer Palmer. are Michael Bandy Oh, yeah, but he caught a bunch. Yes, and I, every time he caught it, I was like, oh, my God, Andy. Jason Moore Jr., and then oh, that's, that's it. When you get Jason Moore's son on the team, just tells you. Where is he 6'3"? He's from, he went to Finley College. In the, the the practice squad, we've got Keelan Doss. I remember him. Joe Reed. Oh, yeah, Keelan Doss is good. Uh, John Hightower. You know why did this... the Chargers trade for a wide receiver? <laughs> why did they trade for Albert Aguibunum? <laughs> the albert o podcast this, this would have been a game where i think donald parm is also hurt like donald parm would have had two touchdowns but it would have yeah. been like oh my god he used to play basketball why don't they throw to him more and then he would have had like six catches over the next seven games oh kitty everett will probably catch a lot of passes in this yes, one it'll be the everett big Everett game eckler show and like one deep shot to josh palmer okay yeah i have deandre carter one of my sad teams so that's a real how deep I, is that league that you've deandre it's the carter ESPN league i have you don't want to know who i have on my team freaking cam Akers, jamar chase and keenan allen bill so mm. it's been going great all right mm. let's wrap with a game also between hold on let me make sure that the, 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 the titans are in first place right between two division champions the titans and the chiefs i'm mm. i have not talked about the titans i would like to first apologize to titans champ fans for not talking about your team I did watch them this weekend, mm-hmm. which is a, a great sacrifice. I feel like I deserve a medal for watching that game, frankly. Wow. 
Um, why? I was because it was Titans Texans. <laughs> what are you talking about? Why? I did want to see what Luke Willis looked like, but I barely. I mean, he just you know ran the ball. handed the ball off and ran a few oh, times. Yeah. Um, big takeaway from that game. Actually, I'm just going to straight up read this. This was from Next Gen Stats. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry gained 118 yards on 18 carries against stacked boxes, mm-hmm. the most by any player in a game since da 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 da. Derrick Henry mm-hmm. <laughs> in 2020. Derrick Henry since 2016 has five 100 yard games against stacked boxes. The rest of the mm-hmm. NFL has 15. Now, um, yeah, total yardage is generally not a good way to remember. Look at. <laughs> running back production <laughs> anyways uh derrick henry just completely dominated them yes uh, i so, i have a derrick yeah. henry stat for that game okay texas run defense is terrible <laughs> to be fair it is real so bad. I, okay so i have a, a stat for this game it's okay. actually not that bad i was gonna say the chiefs run defense is terrible they're not there it looks like they're just kind of below average okay i'm gonna finish my stat then <laughs> i i think it's a good one and it's going to annoy you as well, which is why I want to read it. Last week, in terms of rush yards over expectation, another NFL's next-gen stat was the best Derrick Henry game since... Okay. Well, I don't know. The Seahawks game last oh, year. Oh, God. I love Derrick Henry. He's great. And I mean, this was this was honestly the best he's looked since September of last year. He, I mean, it he was... Is, yeah, yeah. It was, a, like, it was different from Derrick Henry we saw... He was really bad the first couple of weeks of the year, and then he's been yes. kind of the guy he was last year since then. Like he's been super volume, but kind of average efficiency. Last week was the week where he looked like, oh my god, he's the same terrifying guy he was a couple of years ago. That and I think if he's that guy, yeah, that's the scary thing for the Chiefs. When he explodes coming out yes. of contact, it when I was watching him, and it was like it really did remind me of peak Derrick Henry. Yes. Um. So I think they're going to get Tannehill back for this one because he mm-hmm. was questionable in the last game. Yep. Uh. So, you know, Ryan Tannehill's not been great this year. 19th, 25th in QBR. Remember when he was the CPOE god? He's 12th right yeah. now. Um, takes a lot of sacks. Not a lot of explosive plays. They haven't had Traylon Burks, but outside of Robert Woods, there's just not a ton with this offense. Um, however, I do think they'll be able to run on Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not the Texas defense. Texans defense, pardon me. Uh, but I do think that um, the way the Titans are built, they they should be able to run the ball on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, for sure. I think that even whether they win or lose, I think they'll have success running the football. Um, the, the Chiefs are not perennially kind of a mediocre run defense. They're not a big defense. They tend to mm-hmm. focus more on speed than size. They have more up front than they had in the last couple of years. Like they're deeper. So it might be a little, might be better to maybe sustain as the game goes along. But the other thing Derrick Henry gives you as an offense and Brian Tannehill's athleticism gives you in the offense is that you're really good in the red zone. And they are Tennessee's perennially one of the best teams in football inside the red zone. This year, they're one, two. Chiefs are number one. Tennessee is number two in the red zone on offense. And I think that's kind of like if you're going to write a formula, this is how you beat the Chiefs. One of the ways you do that is take advantage of the chances you get in the red zone because you have to score touchdowns. And the Tennessee Titans typically do that. The Titans are scoring. On, okay, so actually, I grabbed this stat before the, last week, but they were scoring on eighty percent. It's crazy. The they were at ninety-one percent earlier this so, year. And then nerds will tell you, well, red zone does not, you know, efficiency in the red zone is mm. not a repeatable stat. But in the Derrick Henry era, and by the way, even without Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. they have consistently ranked first or second. I think that the year without Henry, they were fifth, and I thought, oh, maybe that's because of Derrick Henry. But they actually went up without Derrick Henry. So. I, I do think Eric Henry is part of it, 
But this team, like, I don't know if it's the play calling or Tannehill's the threat with his leg. I mean, like, it's just they're it so works. good in the red zone. It's it crazy. Works. It defies it stats. It, I mean, it, they are like an outlier of outliers when it comes to that stuff. Like, right. I, I at this point, I've just given up. Like, I don't even bother saying that anymore with them because <laughs> there's no point. Just going to take it. Uh, however, I, however yeah. Mina, mm. speaking of outliers among outliers, Andy Reid coming off by. <laughs> 19 and Bobo! three since 2000. I don't know what that sound was. I'm sorry. That was, that was the, 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 uh, the, the Reed Gaton uh, sound. I was trying to. The Reed Gaton horn. I was trying to do a rap horn, but then it tur- turned into more of like an aruga halfway through. <laughs> and I tried to bring it back. I'm really sorry. And then it was just like, I'm bada bow bow. <laughs> This is what the podcast is for. Oh, Andy, Mina, read off a bye. Mina Kimes soundboard. 19 and 3. He's good. Uh, he is very good. They're going to win this game, I think. However, can I say something? Please. Okay, just kind of wrap, starting with the thing we talked about at the beginning. I really thought they might make a move for their defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing they did was trade away Rashad Fenton, who you know, they don't need. And I will say, um, it does look like Trent McDuffie, who's a rookie cornerback. So he's a rookie cornerback. He looked good week one, yep. but he is a rookie. They need cornerbacks. But this is a team that really could have used help at edge. Uh, and I don't know. I thought like maybe like a Jerry Hughes, Jacob Martin. I, it didn't have to be like a Bradley Chubb, but I thought they might bring in reinforcements because outside of Chris Jones, who's mm-hmm. been freaking crazy this year, they're really not getting consistent pressure. Though. Yeah, I mean, I, I like George Karloftis. I think he's he's going to be a really good player. I don't know if he's like in every down like star edge rusher yet by any means um carlos dunlap has been okay but again like mm-hmm. when have you seen a team play the bills or play the chiefs and thought oh yeah they've got enough edge rushers they're fine like you can yeah. always use more edge rushers that's why the eagles traded for robert quinn like that is an organizational philosophy they do they never want to be in a situation where they can't rush the quarterback where they're hopeless against the opposing quarterback and i think you know, Spags is going to dial some stuff up and, and that's going to be fine. And that might not affect them that much in this game, but I was surprised. And, and they are. I mean, like they have issues on defense. Like I said earlier, when they don't get pressure, they have the worst QBR in football. They're last in the league yes. against play action in QBR, which we mm. know Tennessee is going to. Sorry, no, Tennessee. I was wrong. Tennessee is last in the NFL in oh, play action. That's not good. Which is not going to help because the Chiefs yeah. will use plenty. Even if they can't run the ball, they're still going to fake it. Mm. I have a question for you. Yeah, that is sort of related. What do you think? Not really like this week, but kind of more in the next year or so. What do you think Kadarius Tony does in this offense? Like, what kind of role does he play? Is he significant? He's just kind of like an average guy. Like, like where does I, he fit? So when that trade happened, I leaned towards this is not going to be that impactful. Was my thought? Just given Tony's history in New York and the receivers that they do have. And it also feels like they've really landed on the right roles for their receivers, right? You know, I've talked about the Chiefs offense enough, but it's Andy Reid. And the fact that they traded so much for me makes it feel like they're going to find a role. They're determined to. So if they do, you know, I I think he's going to be useful in the backfield. I think all the horizontal stuff that they do. Mm -hmm. um, I I saw people tweeting about him being a deep threat. That wasn't really kind of what I thought, but. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a team that can use help. It can use guys who can get open underneath versus man coverage. He's obviously very shifty, so maybe like that. But I, I don't know, Bill. I, I'm still pretty skeptical about it. I agree with you. I, I think he ends up as maybe like bigger McCole Hardman, 
which is, I mean, that's useful, but I don't think he's going to be like the dude that's going to get like the 160 yard games. Like he had that one yeah. time in New York. Dude, I, I am loving Juju in this offense right now. I think I, I'll be really sad if he goes somewhere else. Like this is just, the point. just stay, please. It just fits is, here. Last week I was like, why didn't you just do this last year? Juju? <laughs> it's wasted our time. Okay. Um, I do want to quick, a quick though, nod to the Titans defense, you know, yes. like, like I said, I think the chiefs are going to win and whatever. And chiefs offense is a buzzsaw. However, the Titans defense has been way better than I thought they would be. I, I thought mean, when um, r- when Landry went out, yep. I was like, "That's it, good night, call yep. it in." And they, I, we alluded to how good they they are first against the run, fifteenth mm-hmm. in pass defense. That's better than I thought. Um, I think this young secondary is playing better than yep. I expected. I'm a big Christian Fulton fan. I was a big Christian Fulton fan last year, and then Jeffrey Simmons like is one of the probably like the five most impactful defensive players in football right now. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, Janico Autry has been also good. Yeah, really like better than I think people would have expected as a as a pass rusher. Rashad Weaver came off the bench. He was sort of the replacement for Landry. He's had a bunch mm. of sacks. He's actually not playing. I met he didn't play last week, I believe. I'm not sure if he's playing this week, um, but he's been hurt. But Dupree was out for a bit. He had a good game last week. Um, you know, I, I think like they always find a way, right? Like they always have a dude step up. And I think that speaks to good coaching um, at the end of the day. Like it speaks to just whenever you think they're out, like they have a guy or two who plays better than you would have expected. And they have just enough in terms of star power with Simmons, with Bayard at safety. I think Fulton Mm -hmm. was was actually better last year than he's been this year. Um, But like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they like, they have, they have enough to make it work. And I think that, to me speaks to the fact that they have a coach who seems to be pretty damn good at this stuff. Yeah, I thought Damian Pierce would be able to run on them again in a yep. game that I watched on my own free accord. And they're just really solid run defense. They just play like super disciplined. Again, coaching, I guess. Um, so yeah, it'll be I mean, look, the Chiefs are just a nightmare, but you know, I, I mean Titans are probably gonna win this damn division so of course they are who else is going to win this division the colts are Uh, giving up the jaguars are they they uh, fall on themselves in the fourth quarter the texans are the texans of course it's going to be the titans all right let's take a quick break come back and ask you five questions When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? As always, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. Are you ready? Please. Question one, Raiders, Jaguars. The aforementioned Jaguars. Is Josh McDaniels the Raiders coach next year? Yes. Ooh. Of course he is. I I, I think Mm -mm. if someone someone is removed from this equation, Mina, I think it's Derek Carr, not Josh McDaniels. <gasps> a trade. Derek Carr, a trade, maybe even a cut. Derek Carr's contract, even though he signed a very fancy contract extension this offseason, Derek Carr's contract does not have any guaranteed money. He has to be on the roster for his contract extension to guarantee. I think they paid him like $6 million to basically lock in like the option to pay him over the next three years. And 
Josh McDaniels does have a quarterback of his who he's quite familiar with hitting free agency next offseason and Jimmy Garoppolo. I've always felt like that was an option. And I think if this goes horribly wrong, I think Carr is the one who's more likely to bear the burden than uh, than Josh McDaniels. Wouldn't Derek Carr and the Colts just make sense? Yes. But, well, I don't know if the Colts are going to do the free agent thing again, Bill. <laughs> Well, it's probably going to be a different regime over there. So, I I I think Jim Mercy is just going to wake up one day and decide what they do, and uh, that may change a couple times between now and, and if, April. If this Snyder thing is real, Jim Mercy is going to wake up like Thanos in the scene after <laughs> he's eliminated half the world and just look out onto his vista, and he doesn't even matter how good his team is; his work is done. All right, question number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's talk about the Colts and the okay. Patriots. So uh, the Patriots, this is a matchup between two young quarterbacks. What is your panic level right now on a scale of one being zero panic, he's our guy, through 10, cut him immediately when it comes to Mac Jones? Like a six, I would say. I mean, I wrote about the class of 2021 quarterbacks for my column on ESPN earlier this week. If Are any of these guys? like no, it's, Well... Can you be confident about any of them? Like, you can make excuses for some of them, but do any of them feel like they're... I feel the best about Fields right now. Isn't that weird? Like, two weeks know, ago, it weird. looked like he was a mess, and yet he's he's that dude now, and I don't think you're wrong. Um, I, I mean, I, I sort of think about what happened last year and, like, all the things Mac Jones was good at in terms of setting protections, in terms of quick game, in terms of making accurate passes, not making bad decisions with the football. Like he was bad at quick game now. He's terrible at it. And I think that's the part that I struggle with. But keep in mind, they did make a change in their coaching staff. Uh And it does not seem, at least to me, like Mac Jones is necessarily getting the best possible situations or the best possible preparation from week to week. So I am inclined to think I'm more concerned about the infrastructure around the Patriots than I am about Mac Jones himself. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely going to be who gets blamed for this. I yes. mean, and it, I mean, it felt like in the second half of the Jess game, they were just like, all right, just they get, they, they did not trust him to do anything. You know, no, they were just like, like get honestly, the ball out, hand it off, get it out, yeah. hand it off, get, get it out, let Zach Wilson screw something up, we'll be fine. Okay. Speaking of Zach Wilson. Oh, no. Question three Bills, Jets. Oof. The Bills are favored by 12 and a half points mm-hmm. feels low <laughs> yes it's in new york so i think that's why but uh man but still that could be scary my uh, question for you though is my question for you is not that it's not um i, I guess that isn't the jets defense is pretty good and i really i, I like a lot of i like the mm-hmm. front you know so i think i guess that's probably reflecting that which is fair what is the number one thing you would do if you were Mike LaFleur <laughs> to stop Zach Wilson from the doing the things he's doing. I think I said on the podcast with Bayes yesterday that if I were the Jaguars and I was trying to help Trevor Lawrence, I would install a shock collar. And whenever he rolled out inside the red zone and went to go throw the ball, I would set the shock collar off. I think it's kind of like that with Zach Wilson. Like whenever he gets outside the pocket and starts It's crazy how much better he backwards. is in the pocket. When he runs quick game, I was texting Jeremiah about this. I was, yes. and I talked about this early in the week. But like, it's when he's actually when he doesn't try to do things, yes. it's not that bad. Yes, it's fine. 
like it's like it, it's it's the, it's the opposite of Justin Fields. Like when Justin Fields yeah. gets out of the system and he's just like being Justin Fields, star quarterback, he's great. Like whenever he doesn't have to think about stuff, he is awesome as a runner, as a thrower. Like, and he's it's not that he's not smart or not capable of doing it. It's just the system is not working for him and the offensive line is not working for him. Once he's on his own, he is totally fine. Zach Wilson is the exact opposite in the yeah. context of the offense when they are um when they are working quick game, when he is dropping and rolling out off of play action, that stuff is fine. But Anything he's not comfortable with is a disaster. As a scrambler, like for some reason, he has it in his head that he's Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, and he is not, and it is left to terrible results, most notably in the Patriots game. And he's also terrible under center, which I think is one of those things where, like, you know, this is going to be a big part of this offense. They can run stuff out of shotgun, but ideally they want to be uh, uh, under center play action offense. And I don't think Zach Wilson's good at that. So I think if I was going to say, what can they do? I think just try to eliminate as much of the stuff as possible that Zach Wilson's not good at, even if it means limiting your rushing efficiency. And just please, God, tell him whenever you get out of the pocket, just throw the ball away. Throw it to, throw it as far away as possible. Don't throw an interception on the sideline because you want to throw a pass. Just get he it out. He thought he was there. throwing it away. And it was, I, it, I don't know. It was bad. It, okay. it, it, it was bad. It just... So many things have to change. He is the worst of those quarterbacks right yeah. now, and it's not close to me. It's not close. Question four. Uh, this one actually is going to be about a line. Uh, so the Bengals are favored by seven and a half against Carolina. I like the Panthers there. Am I crazy? I would never say you're crazy, and I would never say that. But any 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 side of any bet. But it does feel like... This is a game where the Panth- where the, the Bengals could struggle with the pass rush for sure. Um, That's I, what I'm thinking. I do think that the Bengals defense is going to rebound from what we saw, though. For sure, I think they're better than we saw. From I think them they're going to win. Night. I want to be clear. Is- yes, but cover is a different story. Um, should we like? I, I think the thing we thought about the Bengals last year was okay. They need to fix so many parts of their offensive line, but Jonah Williams is okay. And now I'm thinking. Not, Ooh, only, buddy. not only is the rest of the line a problem, but Jonah Williams might not be okay. That is, a, that was a struggle was, for him. That was a struggle against Miles. To be fair, Miles Garrett is one of one, even relative he is to Brian Burns. But you know what? Brian Burns pretty good too, and I would yeah. be licking my chops if I was him going up against uh, against Jonah Williams. There, I think they have had more answers for Joe Burrow. In weeks past, when they've had pressure, like he's getting the ball out quicker, I think he's he sort of has a better idea of where to go when pressure happens. He's not sort of being stuck in the pocket and just taking sacks. But if he gets there quick enough, the answers aren't going to be there. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers did give them trouble. But I don't know. I also don't really buy this like two game PJ Walker uh, turnaround. Mm. Like I have enough evidence that PJ Walker is mm. bad at this. So I'll, I'll be. I want I want him to be good. So I want bad, him to be though. good for sure. I agree. <laughs> But when he threw that pass, I screamed. Wasn't it? Wasn't it incredible? It was so incredible. It was so incredible. Um, okay. Last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Mm-hmm. Lenny saw your little joke on Twitter about how it's possible the pan- the Packers front office hasn't been getting trade requests or phone calls back because they're on Android. Mm-hmm. So Lenny is aware that you, Bill Barnwell, still use Android, and he wants to know: Have you ever missed? And have you ever been left out of an important conversation because you're on Android? 
I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't, I don't have access to the conversations. I, I, I would say almost definitely I have been left out of conversations. And you know what? That is a, a stupid choice I have made for myself. And I'm too proud and, and too naive to go against that choice at this point. So, yes, Lenny, I'm sure it has happened. You know who else is on Android? Ooh. Zach Lowe. Oh, no. <laughs> That's exactly what he said when I told him you were on Android. <laughs>